0: is jared the gm on espn 1025 the game titans monday titans win over atlanta yesterday a beautiful win thanks in large part to marcus mariota who floyd did not give a game ball to earlier today which i could not believe and again it seems like and floyd i know you're gonna hate me for saying this knock on wood it seems like the Titans are coming out of these games relatively healthy. Now we don't know about Cam Wake, but Floyd just turned on his microphone to then knock on wood, and is now I think vehemently upset with me. Knock on wood. And so, but again, Buffalo looks they they may be without their starting quarterback on Sunday. So we'll keep up with that all throughout the week as he took a vicious helmet to helmet hit from uh, Jonathan Jackson of the Patriots and got knocked out of that game and is questionable for Sunday. But it is time for Floyd's three things, three up, three down. Three things he liked, three things he didn't. From yesterday's win over Atlanta, we start with what should be relatively easy for Floyd today. Three up, we start with the best thing Floyd liked.
1: Number one.
2: Uh, the th- I mean, these are all three good things, but uh, I love the play of the secondary. I love the man-for-man coverage. I love their ability to challenge these because again, we you know, if you watched our game, you may not be all that impressed with their group of receivers, but I'm here to tell you that, you know, they've got three receivers as good as any receivers in the league. And uh and I thought that that especially Butler, but the entire secondary did a great job on that group, and then the couple of times you could tell there were two, three, four times that they were just going to throw it down the field, and they were going to turn into a jump ball and hopefully come up with it, uh, and Byard, we kept a free safety much a lot of the time, and Bayard was over there knocking the ball down. I mean, it was just good, solid coverage, and against a group of receivers that I, to be honest, kind of doubted we were going to be able to do that with, but we did it. So congratulations to that group.
0: Well, and this is a team that on their schedule the rest of the year includes playing Keenan Allen. It includes Mike Evans in Tampa Bay. It includes Michael Thomas in New Orleans. It includes all those Kansas City guys whenever you got to play them. And they did a good job on T.Y. Hilton earlier this year as well. So that gives me some optimism. I mean, I look at a game like yesterday and how well they played, and I almost want to sit there and say, well, I don't need to hear any more excuses from a Dory Jackson if he can't cover his guy because of the way he played yesterday. You know, that like no more excuses for those guys in other games because they played their butts off yesterday.
1: Number 2.
2: Second thing for me is the pass protection and and the pass protection more than just okay, we didn't give up a sack, so pass protection must have been good. It was what what they did and what we did. They were obviously going to keep Marcus in the pocket which meant that the rushers were upfield, the tackles could stay upfield, but our center and two guards did an outstanding job of keeping that pocket clean so that Marcus could get back, he could get set, and then if he felt pressure, you knew he was going to be outside, he could step up into the pocket and with good timing, get rid of the ball, complete the ball, and as we've seen, allow the allow the receivers to run with the ball. So, um, I mean, I thought that, you know, a, a beleaguered beleaguered, is that the right word? Yes. Uh, offensive line was, uh, you know, kind of stepped up and, and I'm sure, you know, part of that was the embarrassment that they, they got last week, but, but whoever did it, however did it, I'm not even sure who the right guard was, but, you know, whatever they did, it worked, and I was I was pleased about that.
0: Okay, and then the third thing you liked from yesterday. Number three. The
2: third thing and the thing that really, really helped us feel position-wise was Kern and, uh, and the punt team. I mean, the, the Kern and the punt team have gotten to the point that that's that group, and I hate to keep bragging on them because we know what could happen at any point in time, but, I mean, they are about as in tuned and oiled and you know performing as well as as any punt team anywhere and uh and that goes for the coverage too so uh that that's i mean it saved us field position helped us field position i mean it was a gigantic benefit
0: marcus did not make the three things you liked
2: Marcus, the the result of what Marcus did was from the pass protection in the pocket.
0: I know, but, I mean, Marcus balled out. A.J. Brown didn't make the three things you like.
2: And A.J. Brown was because of the pre- pass protection in the pocket.
0: A.J. made I mean, that touchdown run, the 55-yard one, that was a lot of A.J. I mean, I know that if Marcus doesn't have time to do it, then he's not going to be able to get the ball out. But it was exactly. a slant, and A.J. took it to the house. I mean, AJ. A.J. is a freaking stud all right three down three things you did not like let's start of course with number 1 number 1
2: first thing again is our zone coverage i mean i just and and i know what they're doing i understand what they're doing and uh and and what they were doing was the right thing at the right time But we have got to find a way to cover up a tight end now (laughs) in zone coverage. I mean, the the tight ends go to the Hall of Fame after we play them and and we get in a situation where we're going to play zone. And I I forget what Hooper had. What did he have, 130 yards? Mm -hmm. I mean, he's just – we're just getting killed in those situations. And yet it didn't – you know, that didn't cost you the game. I understand that. You know, we got – the ball back, we let them eat up the clock. I understand all that. But, man, oh, man, that's tough to watch. That's hard.
0: Well, the other thing, too, is it's one thing when it's Zach Ertz who does it to you. It's another thing when it's all of these tight ends who do it to you. I mean, in a hindsight, Freddie Kitchens is probably even dumber than we thought because he could have just thrown the ball to Njoku on every play, and they probably would have won the game. Yeah. So I'm with you on the tight end factor there. I mean, it's just awful. Second thing he didn't like. Number two.
2: Second thing was the the ball is on the ground way too much. We did not lose a fumble. We have not had a turnover. But the ball is on the ground primarily two people. Derek Marcus Henry and Derek. And Marcus.
0: And don't forget Corey Davis, although and, he didn't do it in this game, but yeah, he's been doing but it. But
2: those two guys for the last couple of weeks have put the ball on the ground and we have gotten it back. Marcus, when he... When he starts to scramble, when he takes off, he th- he he thinks he can just fling that ball around anywhere. Um, and surprisingly for me, is Derek. I mean, how many you know how many games has Derek carried a ball and not fumbled, not even had it on the ground? And it's been on the ground two or three times in the last week or two. So uh, we have got to correct that. That is one of those things that. You know, you won't talk about it, you won't think about it, it won't be an issue until you go in and fumble twice and lose a game. Then all of a sudden it's, you know, wow, we got to really pay attention to fumbles. No kidding. So let's take care of that issue right now.
0: Well, and Derrick Henry's fumble, What I mean, I do have to say what bothered me, but Derrick Henry fumbles the ball out of bounds and everyone gets up like, all right, yeah, it's fine. It just went out of bounds. Like, no, just because it went out of bounds doesn't mean it's fine. I mean, I'm with you on the Derrick fumble. The Marcus fumble – I mean, he took off scrambling, and at the same time he took off scrambling, the guy put a hat right on the ball, or got his hand right on the ball. Like, that's a tough one. No. But Marcus has fumbled the ball so much in his career that and, I don't give him the benefit and, and of And he, he almost carried, fumbled on he, the play he, before. He
2: was carrying the ball away. I mean, it wasn't, you know, he didn't have it anywhere near where it needed to be.
0: Well, and he almost fumbled on the play before. And I was stunned. It was the non-pass interference that he talked them out of because they said Derrick Henry was in the area. And so the official TV crew of the Tennessee Titans, Spiro Ditas and Adam Archuleta, they were they go, you know, let's bring in Gene toward Gene. And Gene tells us, well, you know, you give him a lot of leeway, and 82 and 22 were in the area. I'm like, Gene, how close is that to being a fumble? Because you, I mean, Marcus got up and was pointing the hand going forward, but I wasn't certain the hand was going forward. So they showed the replay, and Archuleta brought that up and said, hey, that's really close to a fumble. And, I mean, I'm all for not taking sacks, but if Marcus is going to fumble the ball to not take a sack, then I have a little bit of a problem with it. So I'm in total agreement with you on the fumbles. And the third thing you didn't like.
2: Number three. And the third thing for me, which was kind of a, uh, you know, this is one of the things that used to aggravate me, uh, when I was a GM, but, but running the boots, Marcus running the boots into a defensive end that you had no chance doing it, and we did it three times. I mean, that just aggravates the heck out of me because it is too hard to get first downs. It's too hard to to protect your quarterback. It's too hard to, to get a play call right than, uh, you know, waste two or three plays um, because we had no chance to get it. And it's not that I don't like the play. I mean I do like the play, and there are gonna be certain games where that play will be a must and will have to work. But this game was not gonna be one of those. And so that's you know, I think as a play caller you gotta realize that and kinda of step back and say, Okay, we gotta find another plan to get him outside.
0: is the phone number. By the way, guess who uh, is calling the Titans-Bills game on Saturday or on Sunday for CBS? I don't know. Spiro Ditas and Adam Archuleta, the official television crew of the Tennessee Titans, Spiro Ditas and Adam Archuleta. I feel like like, I'm just used to those guys calling a Titans game now. Like, I'm just used to it. Like, if they have someone else call the game, I'm kind of shocked for a second. I'm like... Wait a minute! Someone else is calling the Titans game. It's like when they got Nance and Romo that first week. I'm like, this is not right. Where's Spiro and Adam Marchaletta? And it's funny because you can tell how much they've called the Titans because a lot of these national guys have no idea of anything about the Titans. They just read the game notes, and these guys are talking about, you know, the Titans have really struggled with this in the past. Like, yes, you know, because you call them every week.
2: Yeah, this to be. Yeah, I talked to Vrabe's yesterday, and uh,
0: <laughs> they they call them more like like Mike Keith. Like, they may catch Mike Keith in terms of the amount of games of the Titans they're going to call at some point. That's how much they call the Titans. 615-737-1025. We'll get to the phones. Plus, coming up next, has have the Titans found something they have not had since the guy who hosts the morning show here was on their team? We'll get to that next. Jared and the GM at ESPN 1025, the game. Derrick Henry
1: on formation. You're fake to him over the middle it is caught that's the rookie
3: A.J. Brown he's still going Brown showing the wheels to the 10 to the 5 and he's in for the touchdown an electrifying catch and run 55 yards to get Tennessee in front
1: this team needed a spark and you gave them one early with a couple of big plays I mean how how was that able to happen and how did does that make it feel uh like I said, I had a one-on-one matchup and I had to win my matchup uh and when I caught the ball, uh, Juno, he, he seems to show up every time I get the ball in my hand. Uh, he got a good block for me and uh, helped me to put it in his own.
0: Floyd, I am ready to do something on this show. I'm ready to make a declaration. A.J. Brown should be the number one wide receiver of the Tennessee Titans. Take all of my eggs and put them in A.J.'s basket because I believe in A.J. Brown. If there was a sash that said number 1 running uh, number 1 wide receiver, I would have told Corey Davis at halftime take that sash off and hand that over to AJ. AJ put on the number 1 wide receiver sash and Corey played much better Once A.J. got going, which I am not surprised by because he's probably feeling the heat saying, wait a minute, I'm the fifth overall pick, this guy's the 51st overall pick, and this guy is bigger than me and better than me. And I'm not knocking Corey here because Corey had a nice game. But I am an A.J. Brown believer, and I think that that Mike Vrabel's got to go to Arthur Smith and say, hey, we got to treat A.J. Brown like he's the guy here. In hopes that he becomes the guy. Because he's got the size. He's got the talent. I don't even know how he lasted to the 51st pick. But when they throw him the ball, good things happen. He's not on the field enough for me. They got Tajay Sharp out there too much, which i would just get rid of Tajay so you wouldn't have the want to ever have to play him. But A.J. Brown is the guy. And I think the Titans have got to start treating him. As such, your thoughts on A.J. Brown.
2: I mean, uh, in the NFL, you don't treat anybody a certain way just because you think they earn the right to be treated that way. And Derek Mason, who who was with us for, I want to say, two, maybe three years before he became the number one guy.
0: But he became the number one guy in the span of like six games.
2: And Derek is, uh, you know, early in his career, has done every single thing that this guy has done. And I'm not taking anything away from A.J. Brown. I really like A.J. Brown. I mean, I think he's got a chance to be a legitimate receiver. I think we're so starved around here for a receiver that we're willing to make anybody that makes it play the number 1 guy you know and and I think you have to look around the league and realize you know what what you're talking about when you see some of these other receivers and even though we didn't see it yesterday from Atlanta mm-hmm. I mean Atlanta's got you know a slew of players that would probably be number 1 receivers on any other team other than the one they're on with with Jones, so I mean I think um, I, I like I said I really like AJ, but I mean the truth is right now we don't have a number one receiver. That's why the ball's going everywhere.
0: That's why I've you know I agree. You know there's not a guy who has stood out from the pack and has and has put their hands up and said I'm the number one guy. But AJ has done enough in the four games to tell me like Chris Sanders yesterday. Was kind of defending on the pregame show was defending Corey Davis because he was saying he's not getting the ball enough to go out there and make plays, and I don't disagree with Chris saying that. Well, the way I'm looking at it is, forget making sure Corey gets the ball, make sure AJ gets the ball because AJ is more likely to make something big happen when he touches makes make something big happen when he touches it more so than Corey Davis's.
2: Well, I don't know about all that.
0: Corey AJ's got more big plays in his career this, than Corey does. I, Corey's got two years on.
2: I know this. You take a guy like AJ. AJ has not sampled anything in the NFL from a coverage standpoint. I mean, he we don't you don't even know if he can get off the bump. I mean, we don't because we haven't wait wait till we play a team that has some legitimate corners and they get up on them. I mean, they they are not going to let. AJ do this on a weekly basis now in a year from now if we see AJ being doubled every week and and people rolling the coverage to him and people playing combination coverages and him doing the same things then I would probably agree with you you know but right now playing a, a Tampa two team and you know running away from a middle linebacker that's i mean that's all well and good and i love it i'm not but that's not proof of anything in my mind
0: i'm not saying that he's an all pro right now i'm just saying he is in my opinion most likely to be an all- pro of the wide receivers you have i think he's the most talented guy they have at wide receiver
2: well well i think time will help us play that i out. mean
0: look at that he's so big and he's so fast and he runs with the ball like a deer when he catches it Corey Davis doesn't do that. I'm not knocking Corey.
2: Did you see Corey on the seventeen yard the third and six, 15 or whatever? that
0: was a really nice play.
2: <laughs> that was a
0: great play. It I was mean, a really That's
2: not a really nice play. That's yeah, a great
0: I, play. I'll take the guy who gets me fifty five yard plays like Davis like AJ did last week and in week one. I mean, AJ in two games has four big plays. Corey in three years has like two big plays.
2: Four big plays.
0: Two against Cleveland, two against Atlanta.
2: And we're basing all this discussion off of those four plays.
0: A.J. Brown leads the team with 223 yards. A.J. Brown is averaging 22.3 yards per reception. A.J. leads the team with two touchdown catches. A.J. has a catch of 55 yards. These are all things A.J. is averaging more yards per game than Corey Davis. A.J. Brown... At least, and I'm not saying he's, he's there. I'm not saying he is a number one by NFL standards. Like, he's not Mike Evans. But, but I think he's got a better chance to be a superstar than Corey Davis does. And so because of that, I want them to, they, they assume Corey is the number one wide receiver on this team. Well, I want them to stop assuming that and start assuming A.J. is the number one wide receiver and that Corey Davis is the number two wide receiver.
2: I mean, again, they don't none of uh, all these things you're talking about. I mean, doesn't happen. You know, there's no assuming there's no the guy that gets open gets the ball. I mean, it's it's that simple. Now, at some point in time, if we have Julio Jones and he's beating double coverage, snap in and snap out, then we'll see that ball getting thrown in his direction regardless. Uh, But right now, I mean, four catches in a career is probably not enough to make a decision on.
0: Okay. So Floyd Reese, who, no offense, God bless him, you all know I love him. Floyd Reese, not the greatest wide receiver general manager in the history of the National Football League. But... There is some, you know, Tyrone Calico was big, fast, and strong, and caught a bunch of touchdown passes there his rookie go. year. And we all know about he did Tyrone it all, Calico's his rookie career.
2: Year, and then he started getting beat
0: up, and never saw him again. He stopped catching the ball too. And yet, I'm here to say, I am an AJ Brown believer. He has, I I believe in AJ Brown. And the question for the callers is this: Do you believe in AJ Brown? Do you think AJ Brown? should be the Titans number 1 wide receiver 615 also coming up next is the Falcons win more than just one win Is it something they can build on? We'll discuss. Jared and the GM, do not miss the pregame show. That's right. Start your morning off with the kickoff from from 7 to 9.30 to get ready for Titans and Bills, followed by the pregame show featuring Jared and the GM and Chris Sanders, live from the George Jones downtown 2nd Avenue Sunday, 9.30 to 11.30 prior to the Titans-Bills game. We hope to see everybody out there. At the George Jones between 9.30 and 11.30. The pregame show is brought to you by Wholesale Inc. Powered by RumbleOn.com. Kubota Tractors, your Middle Tennessee Kubota dealers. Uh, and Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap House. Jared and the GM, it's ESPN 1025,
1: the game. Have you seen AJ maybe make his greatest strides since he became a full-time practice participant? And does is is he have more confidence than a lot of rookies that you
3: see coming into the locker room? Um... He's caught a lot of uh, you know he's caught a lot of passes in the SEC. Um, I think that um, y- you know maybe some of his work down in the field you know has improved. Um, he's got really good body control um, you know for a big guy when the ball's in the air you know being able to, to you know not miss time his jump or miss time the ball in the air and just you know I like the way he catches it he uses his hands. And it was good to see him, you know, not run out of gas, you know, yesterday.
0: That was Mike Vrabel on the Titans' new number one wide receiver, A.J. Brown. At least I hope that they keep throwing A.J. Brown the ball. At least give me this, Floyd. If we're not going to anoint A.J. as the number one wide receiver right now, in your opinion, A.J. Brown has definitely deserved more looks, more time, more hay. You know, let's get A.J. more involved in the game plan because of what A.J. has accomplished so far this Well, year.
2: I think without a
0: doubt, and I
2: think they will. I mean, you know, they're not, unless this group is truly unique, they're not in the habit of finding guys that can make plays and deciding not to get the ball to them. I mean, most of the time that I, places I've been, if the guy can make plays, people want to get the ball to him. They want to give him the opportunity to do that. And so I would suspect he will get more opportunities.
0: Let's go to your phones. Let's start with Joe, who's up next on A.J. Brown. Go ahead, Joe.
2: Hey,
4: guys, thanks for taking my
2: call. You
0: Joe, what did you think about Mariota yesterday?
4: I think he played really well. I think he played really well. I mean, I think it was a uh, it was definitely a big leap forward from the past two weeks. And one, of the, I think one of the key things to his success was getting that ball out early, on time, in a position, anticipating where the receiver's gonna be, which is what we've been saying all along and look what happened. So, you know, there you go. But as far as AJ Brown goes, I'm gonna say welcome, AJ Brown to the Tennessee Titans. Thank you for coming. And uh, what a breath of fresh air because I don't think back I think it was I think it was Chris I think it was Chris uh, Chris Sanders was about the only rookie that really came in and made an impact like that, a, and we haven't really seen that in a long time. So if he's going to be a number one receiver, eh, I, I don't know if that's going to happen, but I do think what will happen is because of his talent and because of his production, it's going to elevate or push Corey Davis and a couple others to elevate their game as well. Because I mean, hey no, Joe, Corey.
0: Joe, I'm with. Thank you for your call. I'm totally with you. After Corey Davis dropped that pass the other day, yesterday, he looked like, hey, I need to step it up because if I don't, they're going to all fall in love with AJ Brown. So I don't want to get lost in the shuffle here. And Corey had one of the better games he's had in a long time.
2: Yeah, I mean they again the the passing game this game especially in the first in the first half. I mean, this was as good as this offense has looked in a couple of years. I mean, they were legitimate. They're protecting the quarterback. The quarterback's getting back. The ball's coming out. He's putting it on the receivers. He's allowing them run with it. The receivers are doing a good job of catching the ball and turning it up, or or t- or, or uh, running away from coverage, or whatever the case may be. So, I mean, there were there were a ton of really really. Positive things to come out of that whole first half.
0: Let's go to Savion. Who's up next on AJ Brown? Go ahead, Savion.
5: So, so yeah, this is
4: Jared. This is Savion. I, okay, cool. Me, yeah, okay. Uh, just going back to the uh, question you and Jared, you and the GM had asked. Do I believe AJ Brown? And I would just like to force first, first and foremost and say I think he brings a different element to the. Game for the Titans, and I think he's an electric receiver that we've been looking for. Uh, I, I think I think he just he just needs to stay on the, the same path he's been on. You know, uh, hopefully, him and Davis just glue together, and, and hopefully, he'll piece it together. You know, and have a great career.
0: So I think there's something I to that. that, Savion. I think there's really something to what you just said, and that is if, if like you know. If we anoint A.J. Brown as the number 1 wide receiver of the Titans and expect A.J. Brown to go have 100 yards every game and 55-yard touchdown passes, we're going to be disappointed with that. If we keep looking at it like, hey, this week it was A.J. and Corey, next week it'll be Delaney, the next week it'll be Humphreys, the next week it'll be Sharp, the next week it'll be A.J., the next week it'll be Corey. If we look at it like that, then there's a chance A.J. Brown fits in and has a pretty nice role with this team as a wide receiver.
2: And, and you would like to think. I mean, we've you know, we've got a tight end that's a pretty good receiver, and we got a slot that's a pretty good receiver. The thing we haven't had is we haven't had consistency from the outside guys. Mm-hmm. So if these can be outside guys and be consistent, I mean, we know the tight end. We know the slot can make plays. Well, now you're turning into an offense where you've got, you know, weapons everywhere. You've got a chance to, to really, really. If you can protect the quarterback, if you can protect the quarterback, you've got a chance to be really, really pr- productive.
0: Also, by the way, I just want to shout this out for the people in the back that missed this: AJ Brown's two wide, two touchdowns for a rookie receiver are the first time a titans slash Oilers receiver as a rookie has had two touchdown catches since Chris sanders in 1995
2: i'm sure we'll hear about that wednesday
0: oh yes we will <laughs> considering that chris texted me at 203 to relay that information i'm pretty sure we will hear about that and on we wednesday. know
2: what's fun is if you this down i'm waiting his rookie year whenever however long ago it was if you say who how long were they and who they were against he would have them both down Oh, 67 yarders against Cincinnati and then I had a 45 yarder. I mean, he don't know exactly.
0: By the way, uh Chris Sanders coming up on the 25th anniversary of his uh of his rookie season. But don't tell him that. Wow. Let's go to
2: Still looks good
0: though. I mean, it looks like it's more like a 5 year anniversary yeah. than 25. Yeah. Ben is a Falcons fan. He's up next on Matt Ryan. Go ahead, Ben.
1: First of all, um Thanks for taking my call. Yep. Um, I want to comment on Matt Ryan and how we really feel as Falcon fans. Now, I have watched him uh, blow too many games. We built two teams around him, first being Tony Gonzalez, uh, Hall of Fame running back, Hall of Fame wide receivers. And now, you know, we built another team he got smith fired he's going to get uh this coach fired we falcon fans feel like matt ryan absolutely sucks
0: (laughs) did you feel that way when he was league mvp and taking (laughs) y'all to the super bowl
1: uh we feel that way because he's had the opportunity and i can think of 30 quarterbacks if they've got you down i don't care who it's against if they've got you down 24-3 to 3 at halftime they can finish matt ryan is not one of them
4: mm.
1: that's the way we feel in atlanta so i'll gladly take mariota over him any day
0: <laughs> i mean i would thank you for your call ben i would have taken him over matt ryan yesterday but that may be the only day that i would ever take marcus over matt ryan and i'll say this Matt Ryan certainly did look to be part of the problem yesterday. Uh, if not, he's definitely not the solution right now for Atlanta. But the Falcons just look like a
2: mess. Well, it's and this is a great example of just what we're talking about. You know, I mean, here, like he said, and I, I hadn't thought about it this long because I haven't paid that much attention. But, you know, they put together two teams around him. I mean, when they had Gonzalez and we had I Roddy mean, White. Oh, man, they were they were for real. And uh, and then this is the this is a second one, and and uh, who knows where this one's going.
0: In all but, fairness to Matt, and this may be actually a you know anti-Matt thing. He got you as close to a Super Bowl to winning it as you can possibly get.
2: Right, but th- it, this boils down to the quarterback question again.
0: Can Matt get him back what there and win a game? I don't this, think how, Matt's how, ever going to get back there. How many years
2: has he been a quarterback? Like 11. Oh, uh, oh yeah. I mean,
0: I'll raise my hand. I do not think Matt Ryan is going back to a Super
2: Bowl. Ten years he's been the quarterback, obviously the franchise quarterback, and you've been to one Super Bowl. And how many playoffs? You know, I mean, it's not like like they're locked for the playoffs every year. You know, they've been in and out and in and out and in and out. And so, you know, it's, you know, what is it you're looking for?
0: Although, you know, Matt Ryan will look at you and say, Screw you! I got to compete against Drew Brees, who's won an MVP. Cam Newton's won an MVP.
2: Yep, you know, like, and that's what, and and we talked about this before. That's why you can put together a really, really good team, and yet if you're playing against, you know, the New England Patriots and their decade-long dominance, then guess what? You're probably not going to ever win it. I think Matt learned and, that the hard way. And if you if you're lucky enough to get into a Uh, A decade where you're, you know, having to go out and beat somebody that is beatable or a series of teams that is beatable, then you're lucky enough to be a Joe Flacco and win one or you're lucky enough to be a Trent Dilfer and win one. You know, and and have that on your resume.
0: Back to your phones next 615 737 plus some other news around the NFL. We'll get to all that coming up. Jared and the GM, it's ESPN 1025. The game.
2: Was it a handshake with Taylor, an embrace, nothing?
3: Uh, he demanded a, a hug, and uh, it was a quick, uh, quick one. But, you know, we're, we're back in, in business, and he's back ready to work and help the team, and um, we, we got to get him ready to play.
0: That was Vrabel today. Taylor Lewan back to the Titans. He will be active and ready to go on Sunday. Vrabel asked about it today, says Lewan left tackle. He said Dennis Kelly, meanwhile, will go back to right tackle or will be going back to where he was in the offseason program, which was competing for right tackle, which I found to be a little interesting. Because competing for right tackle, generally speaking, means he's competing for the starting job. So, Floyd, do you think Kelly is competing with Conklin for the starting right tackle job?
2: Uh, uh, no.
0: <laughs> I don't. I was saying with Coach. I
2: say, yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, I mean, he's, and and Kelly filled in, and, and you know, for the most part, you'd probably have to say filled in admirably.
0: Kelly has never not done a good job filling in for the
2: He, he reminds me, we had a... Backup tackle um, that we had gotten from Indy, who reminds me so much of him, Jason Matthews. Remember Jason? Yep. Who's now a, now a coach and teacher here in the area. Uh, but he was one of those guys that that was had been a starter, had played at Indy, and then whatever reason things changed, and we were able to pick him up as a backup tackle and and. Whenever you never want to lose a starting tackle, I'm not saying that, but if in fact Jason had to go into the game and play for a game or for a, never a fear ever. I mean, he was just, uh, I mean, it was one of the great soothing things you could ever hope for in a, in a game where you've got a backup tackle that's good enough. You can go, you can go in there and play and you're not scared to death. Your quarterback's going to get killed.
0: Let's go to your phones here on Jared and the GM. By the way, the impact of LaWan, we'll get into that later in the week. I think it's going to be humongous for the Titans going forward, you know, after this. Let's go to JD, who's up next on A.J. Brown and Nate Davis. Go ahead, JD. Yo,
5: what's up, Jared Floyd? Uh, this is the first time I've called in. So, uh, but I, I want to let you know, Jared, A.J. Brown. He Like you said earlier, he does have the size, man. He's I was able to watch him at one of the practices on the sideline and got to shake his hand. and You know, he has really strong hands. He's, he's going to be a great receiver for us. But like Floyd touched on earlier, uh, that offensive line, and once I realized that Nate Davis was in the game, I had to stop and record and watch Chief Number 64 was in there. I told my wife, I said, you know, the, what would sell me on Nate Davis if he goes in here and shows aggression? And he did. I think for the most part – He went in there, and he he showed that he's tough, and I hope he can still sit there and, uh, you know, be a good starting guard for us. And maybe it's good with Kelly, you know, going back over there and showing some competition with Conklin because, you know, I don't know if uh, him cutting some weight this year has, you know, kind of made him not be able to defend the right side as as much as he did last year. But, you know, he's, he's showing that he might need some help over there. May Davis did a good job helping him, which it should be the other way around. So, Maybe Kelly will bring some competition
2: and you know get him get him in the right mindset. I appreciate you taking my call. Thanks, guys. Thanks, JD. Thanks, JD. Uh, it brought up a good point about about the Davis kid because he, you know, we we really haven't paid a great deal of attention, and and it was interesting that he mentioned the aggression, and I, I was wondering, um, Vrabel had something to say during press when he was describing him and said you know, we wanted to see him hit guys. He said he didn't always hit the right guy, but he did hit him, you know, which to me meant uh, I could see that aggression just figuring, hey, I'm going to go out here and hit somebody. I don't know who I'm hitting, you know, right now. I'm not real clear if I should hit that guy or this guy, so I'm choosing this guy, and I'm going to hit him. So
0: it's kind of like the roughing the passer Landry got yesterday. It's like, you know, hey, I'm going to go hit the quarterback, and, you know, maybe I hit him a second too late square in the chest, but – I'm going to hit him, so there you go. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Terrence, who's up next on Marcus Mariota. Go ahead, Terrence.
5: Uh, yes. Uh, I just want to comment on how good Marcus played yesterday. And there was a big difference between his game and the Jacksonville game last week. Um, yesterday, you're seeing a three-step job, three seconds. The ball was gone.
1: He used to shake down.
5: And the thing I liked about it um, – uh, on that one play where Vic Beasley like clearly was getting ready
0: to sack him, and you see him slide up, and the pockets like his pocket awareness
5: way better yesterday. So I just want to see what you guys think about that.
0: Thank you for the call. What did you think about the use of the checkdowns and the poise? And and you know, was that all offensive line pass protection related, or was some of that Marcus, you know, getting better at some of the things that he struggled with?
2: Well, no, I think it was all offensive line. You know oriented from the standpoint that he felt secure for whatever reason. And I don't know what made this game so different from some of the others. Uh, I don't know how how it went that way. But as the game went on, he was more and more confident. And I agree with the caller. I mean, there were two or three times where he stepped up, looked like Tom Brady to me. That's what it reminded me of. Because Tom will step up in the pocket exactly the same way, the ball will come out exactly the same way, and uh, and they're off and running. So, I mean, I thought it was, uh, uh, I mean, I thought it was really, really well done. And it's been a while since we've had a pocket that clean for that long. And it was funny because even on the other side of the ball, like our pass rush, early in the game we had no pass rush, mm-hmm. and yet we were covering them. Then as the game went on. All of a sudden, we continued to cover, and that was good. But now the rush started coming, and we ended up getting, uh, what, five sacks, I think. So.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was like, yeah, they got pressure, but it didn't feel like they were pressuring Ryan the whole game. I mean, it really felt like Ryan could do whatever he wanted to, and then they'd get to the tight end 35, and they would just go brain dead out there.
2: Well, he would— they And were, that
0: tells me there's a coaching issue. We
2: were, They were doing the same thing, you know, which was they, the tight end was— open and they'd keep a drive alive by getting into the tight end and and you know but the outside guys were the guys to me that were just because they're the big play guys and they just shut those guys down
0: ramal on twitter says i'd like to say the titans defense played a great game with them stopping three fourth and ones won the titans the game other than that second half titans lose I'm out that the Titans were pretty much in command the entire second half.
2: Yeah, I mean, the, I know what he's saying, though. The offense didn't show as much, but the offense didn't have to show as much. And I think, you know, the—and the, I'm not sure how much of this was by design. I know early in the second half it was not by design. But later on in the half, you know, just feeding the ball to— to Henry and letting him run with it and, you know, trying to get first downs, eat up the clock and, and get going. But, uh, but early in the second half, we didn't, we didn't get a great deal done. Um, and yet they didn't either. And that was the key. And you're right. Now I'll say this, the fourth and ones or fourth and whatever's, Mm -hmm. I mean, three of those, they, I mean, they were outstanding you can stop somebody on fourth down like that, you are really doing something.
0: Uh, Something we'll keep up with all throughout the week, Josh Allen, the quarterback for the Bills, uh, is questionable. He's in the concussion protocol. I'm going to guess we probably won't know until Friday whether or not Allen's going to play. I mean, that's... And the hit he took was vicious against New England, so I wonder if it'll be him or Matt Barkley.
2: I read an article this morning where they were talking about the length of time missed because of concussions, and it used to be like... 2 days and then went to 3 days and there he said it was up to 8 days. Now I don't I have no idea if it's you know the same but So
0: we'll keep an eye on that. Yeah. Monday night football tonight worst matchup ever. 0 3 Bengals, 0 3 Steelers. And I was sitting there when I they kept showing promos and Monday night football Bengals and Steelers. I was like, "Ugh, gross." But this game does matter to the show. Because if the Bengals finish five and eleven or worse, Floyd owes me a hundred dollars. dollars. hundred dollars. So I would like to say, go Steelers. By the way, I was at Preds Fest yesterday. Great event out there at Preds Fest. Um, but it was cool. Like all the players were out there signing autographs and all kinds of stuff, and met a lot of fans of the show. And uh, the Predators today announced that they're going to send down or they're going to place on waivers Mika Salamaki and Steve Santini. So Santini obviously didn't make it very long after the peak <laughs> <laughs> But I'm glad to see Salamaki gone. And with that, Preds Insiders is next. We'll see you, Jared in the gym.